0: Aloha and welcome to the Golden Thread Podcast. My name is Marnie. I'm your host for this next episode, The Power of Sound. We have a very special guest coming to you live from Bali. This is being recorded, but he's he is in Bali right now, and his name is Daniel Love. And Daniel, I really appreciate you spending the time over there in the land of the gods to connect with me to talk about this really incredible subject of sound and nada yoga and Tibetan singing bowls. So thank you, Daniel.
1: Hi, everybody. Thanks, Marnie, for having me today on the podcast.
0: (laughs) It's so wonderful to have you connect over on this space, in this new space. And I I can attest that Daniel and I met many years ago in Colorado. And uh, at a dear friend's house, who had a beautiful sound temple, and we got to meet there and work on Tibetan bowls. And he's become one of my main teachers of teaching me Tibetan bowl singing bowls, how to play with them, how to use them, how to incorporate them into my healing practice and my and my opportunities to share sound with the world. So I really thank you, Daniel, for all the work you're doing in the world to spread the sound and spread the knowledge of how to work with sound and really tap into some sacred science, which I think we're going to learn today. So let's go into it. Yeah. So
1: since this podcast is really about sharing and, um, I feel I have a lot of information to kind of share with anybody that's really into singing bowls and specifically. Um, I'd like to share some things that uh, relate to my story and kind of things that would help people also deepen their practice if you're specifically into singing bowls. So I, I got into singing bowls when I was around 18 years old and I just picked one up at a shop and started playing it and noticed uh, how powerful they were as a tool in my Nada Yoga practice. And I started reading a little bit online about them. And I noticed that there was no real information about singing bowls past 1970. But I I saw that they were over 2000 years old. According to the Louvre Museum in France, Um, some of their singing bowls are actually in the Egyptian section and go back all the way to 4,000 AD Um, but what got me most interested in singing bowls and I think a lot of people listening to this if you're into singing bowls you might find this interesting is there's absolutely no texts about them and how can something where it's so old and so prevalent even in uh, paintings and artifacts have no absolutely no texts so i i kind of set out to really start asking this question why were these ancient instruments made and what were they used for so i started playing singing bowls for my friends and i would go to these different spiritual people and they would say oh this bowl it's it's blue color it opens up this, this portal to this place, blah, 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 and I was saying, oh, that's great. Uh, I, I don't experience that at all, but that's really cool that you experience it, and I don't even know if you're telling me the truth. And then something very interesting happened, almost like a scientific experiment, where I would go to all these different people, and they would say the exact same thing 99% of the time. And after about 10 people with my first bowl saying the exact same thing, I said, wow, we could only conclude that this is like a science. If we have 10 different people that they all don't know each other, and they're all seeing and experiencing the same thing from the same bowl on an etheric plane, this bowl actually must do this thing. So that's, that's when I really decided that these mystical ancient singing bowls had some sort of spiritual power. So I, I started going down to the Amazon rainforest and doing a, a study and practice down there where I, I realized that these bowls couldn't be experienced in silence. And when the mind is still like a muddy glass of water becoming still, and then the mud raises to the bottom and you can see the sound current of the bowl more clearly and from there i said i have to go to where these are from and start studying from uh, a teacher or a master of some sort so i very quickly bought a, a plane ticket to nepal and i started just walking around asking where where singing bowl teachers and I quickly found out that there were signs everywhere and I said wow there's like hundreds of singing bowl masters in Nepal. I should take uh, this 3-day course that everybody's offering. And coming to find out I met this this man in this little small room and he said I'm going to teach you singing bowls and I said okay it sounds good. So he started putting the bowls around my body and uh he said, I said, what can you do with these bowls? And he said, I can tell you what's wrong with you. And I said, Great, that sounds good. So he started putting the bowl around me. I had my eyes closed and he, he took the bowl and he waved it over my, my groin area. And uh, it surprised me. So I, I moved, like, wow, this guy's waving a bowl over my groin. So I moved my body. Uh, and 30 minutes passed and I asked him, uh, what's wrong with me and he said oh well when I was by your groin I noticed you had a problem there and I said why and he said because you 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 moved your body when I waved the bowl over there and I'm thinking wow this guy has no idea what he's doing and he just charged me a few hundred dollars to take his course Uh, and I found out that 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 was the experience of most singing bowl teachers and really when you really are honest with yourself the the experience of most singing bowl teachers and practitioners is they're not really authentically experiencing anything and they're just kind of teaching and assuming or think it's like some sort of book I, i learned this book from somebody and then i know it but i don't experience it so i kind of went to nepal with this expectation of actually learning something and found out that most of the the people there had learned from somebody, but weren't truly experiencing what the bull was. And the information was based on a desire to sell things, sell their courses, sell the bulls, and fulfill um, their worldly desires. And I wanted to f- figure out where all this information was coming from, where did, do, did they learn from. So I heard about a man, and his, uh, his practice was um, at a big uh, stupa in Nepal, and I walked into this small little room where he was smoking cigarettes. And he said, yes, I am the single guy, I wrote all the information, I wrote the books, and I said oh great it's probably another one of these guys who puts singing bowls over groins and tells people that there's something wrong with the groin so I said why not I'll take the course he said come back tomorrow so I came back tomorrow and sure enough he wasn't there and they told me to come back the next day and I come back the next day again the same thing come back next week and I said wow you know should I even come back but for some reason I decided all right I'm gonna give this guy a try he's got a big belly he, he looks old he looks like <laughs> he's a, like a Nawari Tibetan guy and could have some knowledge and um I, I ended up coming back and he invited me in his house and said I'm, I'm very sorry uh for for not being there for you I I'll, I'll take time to teach you so in his course he taught me a bunch of uh things that he told me his grandfather taught him and that his great grandfather um had learned from their grandfather etc etc and to him it went five generations back and a lot of the stuff that he taught me is is really what's being taught in the singing bowl teacher training courses that you see around the world now for somebody who takes A three to five day course and becomes Mm -hmm. a singing bull master overnight right which which I I really question but one of the things he said is he could talk to singing bulls and from the bull he could know um, what was out of balance and he he showed me that he was directly experiencing that which was which was very amazing to me and was the first sign of somebody that was having a direct experience with singing bulls mm-hmm. which really deepened my um, consciousness into wanting to learn d- through direct experience the mystical powers of of singing bulls so, so fr- from that i dedicated my Uh, my life into meeting and learning from various collectors that actually had extremely rare antiquities uh, from the first century to um, this time period and even singing bowls that are over um, a thousand years old and learning the very deep tantric agnama science of where singing bowls come from Mm -hmm. um which most singing bulls, they don't come from Tibet. This is like a a marketing uh, scheme to try to sell bulls to foreigners that come to Nepal. Mm -hmm. And most singing bulls come from a very deep tantric lineage that's only orally uh, passed down and not written down. And it's kept a secret because um, those lineages, you know, you had to really get initiated into them by a guru uh, in order to learn from them and with the intention of self-realization for all beings um, not only including yourself so this is where you begin to jump into the infinite ocean of consciousness and singing bowls and seeing how deeply rooted they are in vedic culture in taoist culture and in Buddhist culture and Jainism and Hinduism of all sects and how incredibly old they are and how to identify millions of different types of singing bowls where they come from where they were used from and uh, I kind of have a, a system of scholars and a system of people that have shown their experience and their direct experience not knowing each other and all the matching to develop a, an actual school that uh, I have in China that has five different courses, five different books, and um, over 45 days of, of actual teachings about these mystical instruments uh, that very little is, is actually known in the world about them.
0: There's so much there to learn and explore and thank you for sharing all of that. So refreshing to hear a perspective about singing bowls that is not rooted in greed. And I think you and I talk about that quite often that these are mystical beings and they hold certain frequencies in consciousness and really to help, help humanity and help us all understand ourselves a little bit deeper. And we see that with people on the table or receiving sound healing, how powerful it can be. Um, And I think that there's there's a lot to be said about how we all approach sound healing and what we naturally gravitate to and then what kind of experience we can possibly have. And for any of the listeners out there, there's not that many opportunities really to have an in-person a singing bowl experience. There is more and more sing- sound baths that are happening all over the planet and you might be able to listen to a sound healing through um, YouTube or a video or Vimeo but of course the actual in-person experience there's nothing else there's nothing else like that and this also goes into the understanding of one of the Areas that you were very interested in, which is nada yoga, and can you explain a little bit about why, what nada yoga is, and um, how that relates to to sound, or that is the the pursuit of, or that is the study of sound, right? Sure.
1: Yes. Yeah. So we have we have really the origins of singing bowls deeply rooted in nada yoga, and. In, in my perspective coming from America very little is actually known about Nadi Yoga and it's just kind of a word that's slightly tossed around or picked up from 15th century teachings within the kundalini community but mm-hmm. Nadi Yoga is one of the first yogas within the Vedic culture to arise um, thousands and thousands of years ago and those teachings can be found in a practice called Drupad, which is the understanding and direct experience of the inner sounds of the universe, um, which are mainly derived from different Sanskrit um, characters and vowels with inside of the human energy system and how the microcosm connects to the macrocosm. and. This is a very, 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 very fine study uh, that should be taught by a fully realized master and disciple um, dynamic, where the the master actually uh, takes his and experience through the wholesome sound of the universe and basically teaches you through sound and um, the wholeness of sound and helps you turn your your vehicle, your divine temple into like a tuning instrument to say sound through through your voice which is used in various techniques inside of Drupal, like a lot really understanding what a shuti is, which means uh, a sound and how to use techniques to fully go into the sound in union, in harmony. Um, In these masters, a lot of these schools in India, they're practicing 12 hours a day at an ashram and just diving, completely dissolving their consciousness into one single sound until they can go infinitely into Nada Brahma, which is the sound of the universe. Um, so, from there, you have hardcore, dead hard Nada Yoga masters. And then we have all of the teachings that have dripped down from the Nectar uh, Godhead and left beautiful uh, droplets all over the Western culture, resulting in amazing teachers and amazing therapy techniques using different offshoots and new age Nada yoga practices such as really sound healing uh, for our modern day needs um, in, in inside the matrix um, which is really uh, amazing and I don't feel like the, that the ancient Nada yoga teachings is any better or less better than the modern day nadi yoga teachings that we can see inside of yoga studios and people's uh, sound baths and personal sound healings but when we start to really deep dive deep into it it definitely has roots inside of the vedic yoga uh, culture um, and from from that culture uh, we have many different instruments that represent the nod and one of them was the the singing bowl which we call tibetan singing bowl but the singing bowl originates inside of the vedic culture Uh, so it's best just to call it a himalayan singing
0: so the nod is um you know as i understand it like not a yoga it is this the yoga of sound right and there are many ways to, very few people get to go to India and experience it the way that perhaps you have or other very serious practitioners have been able to, to go practice with um, these cultures that really embody that. What would you suggest for, you know, everyday people all over the world who might want to be experiencing something like this? How can they go about that?
1: sure yeah i think that the the thing about if you meet a nadi yoga master in the himalayas his even his personality is hard to relate to um because he's he's just a sound current that's sitting in in a room and the way he those teachers you normally teach is they are just sitting there all the time and their students sits next to them and they start saying sa or a sound and then you repeat it uh, so i feel like for most people a uh, psycho-emotional human level consciousness is very necessary to begin even touching that so it's it's very good to find for instance in the kundalini community which is a more of a uh, even if we look at the system of the vedas and the ancient system it's more recent than this old style uh, this is more of a relatable consciousness construct and teaching of our time uh, where you can actually go to a kundalini class and directly experience a, a nada, a, a nada a, a palooza with a, like a, a sound bath and sound currents over overcoming your body and washing all of the nadis and this is something that's probably available near you if you live in america it's getting a experience where you pump oxygen pump prana into the body dilate the consciousness expand the consciousness make it more like a sponge and then uh lay down in shavasana and have somebody play a gong for you this 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 at core is is a direct nadi yoga experience that everybody can have because when we really talk about nada yoga we're not only talking about sound we're talking about the breath and how it relates to the sound and if i just say sa or ra, you're not going to actually experience that unless we transcend our five senses and go into super consciousness and then experience the sound from that level and again the closest people that are Sharing that experience and embodying that, because to really share the experience, you have to be an embodiment of it. The, these teachings are not on the level of the mind; they're on the level of uh, cosmic unity. So, if you find a, a kundalini course near you and the kundalini teacher has a gong, that is your, your really your doorway to understanding the knot. And as we know, that the the lineage of Guru Muk and um, that entire ray of light that's coming into the planet has spread into our western society where these other ancient Nada yoga lineages and tantric lineages of sound they haven't really you know infiltrated the the western culture in a way that's so publicly available
0: yes thank you for that I agree it is um It's very unique to, and you know, I I also was able to experience that in my own Kundalini teacher training, the power of the gong, um, which came through during that with pranayama and postures and relaxation to then, like you said, become the sponge and absorb the consciousness of those sound currents is something that was only available to me or that I could only find through a Kundalini practitioner. That was the only group that was actually practicing this and sharing this, um, which was a fabulous way to experience something like that. Otherwise, the only other option I could see is this really big group of people working with crystal bowls so i wanted to talk about that and teach you know if if we're done i mean i love talking about the nod and the omniverse knowing that all sound comes from om and a lot of people realize they can turn their own instrument of their voice by chanting the bija mantras within the body in order to actually activate the chakra system they can then become the nod they can become the om and move their consciousness into higher spaces of reality thereby doing self-realization practices and having a very surreal experience in real time Uh, these are the kinds of things that i think are exciting right now because it is available for people to experience more and more and with the internet now, there are all kinds of offerings out there. So what I, I'd love to talk about a little bit more is, you know, if they, if people aren't, you know, in America, there are quite a few kundalini teachers. In the world, there's quite a few kundalini teachers that have access to the gong. Um, but then there is also the other aspects of sound healing, which moves into Tibetan singing bowls, as well as crystal bowls, Um tuning forks and all the frequencies can we talk a little bit about you know your your viewpoint on the difference of crystal bowls and tibetan bowls and why you choose to just work with tibetan bowls sure yeah
1: you know i'd like to start with acknowledging your your thing again where we have something that's so beautiful that's readily available that in the form of teacher trainings for kundalini and and that is what is available in in America right now and that is what these people have gone die-hearted and transformed their entire life to transmit and teach these teachings because when we really start talking about getting authentic information that can be transferred from one human soul to the other this is what's most important inside of Nada Yoga and usually happens within lineages. So my 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 opinion on learning about singing bulls, and I don't feel there's I know in my heart that there's only a few people that I would consider have completely dedicated their entire life, work, and study on singing bulls, and that's that's their main thing. In, in what they do and then there's a lot of people that are really into it and they do a lot of work with it but uh, it's not it's not like they gave up everything in their life to become an expert on singing bowls so the, the the main issue with singing bowls is there's such few teachers in the world that really really are wanting to be an embodiment of the knowledge and the sacred practice on on what they're really capable of and because of that we do, we have a lot of um, other uh, types of teachings that really are like take this three to five day course becoming a singing bowl master which when you talk about becoming a singing bowl master that's really something that you don't just learn in three to five days uh three to five days is like a a very shallow but deep in some ways depending on the teachings introduction so because that topic is so incredibly deep you're talking about this is something that could be taught in four years at school and you know a lot of people do take that step but The people that take that step are 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 very rare and normally they're somewhat of a brahmacharya or hermit in the himalayas um so with, with that being said the 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 depth of of singing bowls is really like entering into the universal sound currents within your own consciousness and how to access that Uh, should normally be taught by somebody and then from there you kind of have the keys and know the path of how to navigate this Tantra, which Tantra means system um, and open up your consciousness to singing bowls and then from there you have to know how to get real authentic uh, Vedic singing bowls that can date from the 14th century and have the real science behind them. And why I choose to use singing bowls is because a lot of these bowls are made by enlightened masters. Um, and they are some of the highest sound technology in on the entire planet that were left by masters and it can still be purchased. Um, which is mind blowing And their there. That's the reason is because we don't really have them in museums and scholars haven't been able to date them and we don't have the level of consciousness to truly understand them, except for a few individuals uh, that have their own healing practices. When I say a few, maybe it's 10,000, but still in, in relation, that's a very few amount of people. Um, so these bulls are so incredibly powerful and they're so incredibly mysterious and they were a pivotal aspect of human society in in uh, the Vedic culture and the the Tibetan culture but the the bulls from Tibet were really coming from the Vedic culture and the Taoist culture and all these different cultures But, but now it's like it's completely disappeared and it's what are these things they're just you know they're for eating or something now uh, and we don't know how to date them so this is what really fascinated me about singing bowls and now I wanted to be able to translate that into ways that people could understand so I have courses that are designed with books and for, for, for the first it's, it's an entire three-day course just to learn about how to truly play a singing bowl and how to play a singing bowl for for other people, and this is just the beginning. There's there's five more courses, and I would say that those other five courses are also just the beginning of a very long journey. Um, and the last course being 21 days long, and we have around 300 dedicated students that dedicated their their life really to to learning this practice and opening up their own. Uh, career in the art of playing singing bowls through through direct experience and uh, I think the last thing that I would say is that the direct experience is key when you're when you're really a singing bowl master or want to call somebody that um, which a master would never call himself a singing bowl master it, he should be experiencing the universal sound currents of the bowl and what they're capable of which is you know samadhi and nirvana
0: samadhi so beautiful and i'm very excited that you're putting together these courses um for people to be able to to learn a little bit deeper of what's possible with singing bowls and i really enjoyed my time learning from you it's helped me in in my process of, of being a sound healer and then working in hospice in particular with sound, understanding the consciousness that's inside the bowls. And I think we talked about this before, which is understanding the seven metals that are in a in singing bowl and uh, the consciousness that's infused through the master who is making the bowl and infusing his consciousness into the bowl through the mantra and the sound. Can we talk about that a little bit?
1: Sure, yeah. So um, if we go into the Vedic culture of astrology, um, it's very deeply related to consecration of taking the stars and the planets and solidifying them into physical form. So really, somebody who makes singing bowls, for instance, in the 11th century, has to have a vast array of knowledge on how to concentrate consciousness from the macrocosmos into an object making it a reflection of the universe so they figured out a a vedic science and really it's a tantric science because tantric also can mean technique on how to create a physical object that connects to the universe and connects to the tantra the physical body so when you play the bowl it's literally tuned to touch the physical body the mental body which is inside the emotional body as well the pranic body the etheric body and align the mind body and spirit and in order to experience that your sanskritis, your mental oscillations of the mind have to be uh, still down enough and your body identification has to be still down enough where you go into a super consciousness state, where the singing bowl can begin to tune and rearrange and align the mind, the body, and the spirit. And the technology that they 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 were using um, to do this was put inside the singing bowl by these masters, um, not only. Is it important that the the bull is, is, has this technology, but the person using the bull also has to uh, be aligned enough with their mind, body, and spirit that they know in how to use the technology and how to perceive the technology in a state of unconditional love?
0: Yeah, and that's... I know it's such a big concept. It's so much to to take in. But I think that there's a real beauty in that when you get to experience uh, a sound healing session, you do get to transcend the mind and tap into parts of yourself that might be asleep or dormant and have unification and feel really great when you come out of it. Because the mind is also moving into deep spaces, right? Of theta between the theta and gamma and alpha states and allowing the subconscious frontal lobe, the the conscious, excuse me, frontal lobe of the brain, it like relaxes that and it allows you to kind of sink in deeper into yourself, really balancing out the nervous system. And these are techniques that truly as a teacher for myself, especially a Kundalini teacher that hatha teacher meditation teachers what my background is um, utilizing sound in order to help people move into those deeper spaces within themselves is a miracle I truly believe that it helps people in ways that traditional meditation and yoga sometimes won't allow Um, they're able to move past the resistance of maybe doing yoga for an hour, or sitting and doing meditation for an hour. They're able to relax and lie down and still receive added benefit from this modality of healing, Um, whether it is Tibetan bowls or crystal bowls. um, They both have amazing supportive healing aspects to them. And I encourage you guys, if you haven't already, follow daniel on instagram his ig handle is we are divine love and his halo coursework is um as he mentioned being produced right now in china and is has classes going um let's let me to ask you a couple of questions do you think that it's still like, there are sound baths that are happening in various places on the planet. Do you think it's beneficial to attend a sound bath um, if you can't have a one-on-one sound healing session? If you could find a sound bath somewhere in your area, is it beneficial to go and be around a lot of people to receive sound?
1: I mean, it's very subjective, but because you're kind of asking the wrong person that question. I'm very opinionated. <laughs> But... If if you want to experience, I, I, I also love people that are into science. In Western culture, I don't live in America anymore, but I like to appeal to the people. If you want to experience hypogodia, which is the state of alpha, beta, and theta, it's the waking, dreaming state where you're half asleep, half awake, and whether the person is is uh, banging the gong with bad intentions or good intentions? It's a good sound healing or a bad sound healing, etc. I can't be the judge of it. I don't know the person playing it. I don't know if they know anything or if they learn from a fake Nepalese teacher, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But at least they're into sound, and at least if you go to that, you're going to experience hypogodia. If if the person knows how to uh, lead you into yoga nidra and relax your body enough and start playing an instrument, you're going to experience alpha, beta, and theta all at the same time, which will give you enough of a door to realize that this sound current and these mystical instruments played inside of a a sound bath have some sort of mind-altering experience that are much more than just face value on the level of analytical thought. And I think that's important for people to experience, at least to open their consciousness, to have a a new perspective of reality and sound.
0: Hmm. (sighs) Wonderful. Um, Do you have any thoughts about the the emerging amount of crystal bowls that i see everywhere and i use crystal bowls as well i love crystal bowls but i am very partial to um tibetan bowls Mm -hmm. and of course i've worked with daniel to make sure i'm using the right tibetan bowls and really especially in hospice there are specific bowls that i work with in particular that i was able to to work with daniel around but in terms of this there's a huge surge of crystal bowls right now, mm-hmm. and um, I I think it's great. I mean, I think anybody you know who wants to experience sound and is interested and loves to use crystal bowls, and it sounds really great. And you know, to me, it's beneficial, right? I mean, sound is very healing, and you're might you might gravitate to one bowl or one sound in particular, and then you know, a year later, you might have another affinity for another sound and another bowl. Um, There is a lot of people asking me in particular, which bowl do I start with? What kind of, how do I choose the right bowl? How do I choose um, to work with either a crystal bowl or a Tibetan bowl? What would your advice be on for people who wanna just get started and don't know where to get started and maybe they wanna try crystal bowls. What do you feel about that?
1: I, I feel that first identify your intention um which would be let's for example my intention is to calm down my mind and i want to work with sound and i'm a yoga teacher and i want to play the bowl in shavasana to relax people's body so if that's my intention i would um find a a dealer of crystal tones which in the crystal bowl world these people are like the Uh, Palladian star people that came down and downloaded a high technology into the planet and started creating sound currents that connect to the universal star systems. Um, And then you have uh, a million other people that saw a financial opportunity to create their own version of that. Some of them uh, really being in the sector of a pure intention, but a lot of the stuff that's on the market is based on financial uh, motivation. So you want to kind of weed through all that and not be buying bowls that are made of silica sand made in sweatshop factories in China. And Crystal Tones is one of the companies that's, you know, as any sound healer knows, it's very mind-blowing, super clean, super pure, instrument tool that can gracefully flow through the energetic body uh, and every every bowl is like a divine ray of light and realization that has something to teach you um, and if your intention is is relaxing uh, you know their system of naming their bowls and their team of people and their dedication is really a reputable a conscious source um, if you're trying to find Tibetan bowls it gets extremely difficult you really need to know someone that is coming from a heart-centered place and not only that but their teacher and where they're sourcing their bowls from is also coming from a heart-centered place which is really difficult because I meet a lot of people that really have good intentions but then most of the people that we buy Tibetan bowls from you know above us are kind of just singing bull mafias in Nepal uh, and it's hard to actually find real bulls that are not stolen from monasteries that are old or have some sort of traumatic story that when you play them it kind of runs through your body so your safest bet is crystal tones
0: Yeah, I think that's, um, it's true, it's true, and I, I'm a big Crystal Tones fan, and have decided, you know, I think with my intention working with the clients that I work with, I wanted to have the purest, most devout sound that I could access, um, and I found that in the bowls that I was able to work from Daniel, and then the bowls of Crystal Tones, which Are really about um, like morganite and rose quartz and um, abalone seashell and you know smoky quartz and just mother of pearl I mean there's very specific as you said and and, uh, they're fantastic if people
1: are listening to this I know you have some Tibetan bowls for sale too so they can contact
0: Mm -hmm. you that's true that's true (laughs) oh my god I want to open that door up Ah." Um, (laughs) but I think I mean a lot of people have lots of questions and I and I do think that you could go to I'll put this in our in the podcast you know the links to crystal tones and you might find somebody in your area a wholesaler because they kind of work in that distribution aspect of you know becoming people who are like have a metaphysical shop or something like that. They can add crystal tones to their shop. I know in Hawaii, there's a crystal store called Lamoria, I believe that also carries crystal tones bowls and you can order from her and I'll put that in our link as well. But uh, I think for the most part, if you're interested in sound and it's something that's calling you and, or you've, you've been so blessed to have a sound session from um, a really To me, you know, sound healers are just angels on the earth. And Mm -hmm. I think it's important to to recognize them for what they're doing. And uh, if you're fortunate to be in the presence of one and you get to have a sound session, like what a glorious experience that is. And um, I wanted to just let you finish off with anything else that you'd like to share with this community about sound or the power of sound or... Anything else that you'd like to share?
1: Yeah, I I think I'd like to share. I know there's some of you listening that there, if you've gotten to this uh, end of the podcast, you're very interested in this stuff and you want to learn more probably. So I'm going to just rattle off some really good references for you guys. So there's a guy named Frank Perry who is one of the leading experts of singing bowls and Himalayan sounds. And he wrote a book called... um, himalayan sounds volume one and volume two he's not money driven he doesn't sell singing bowls and he just was like you know forced to write a book and sell the book because a a lot of that pure intention really comes through this guy's and his two books and these singing bowl artists uh and scholars they write textbooks these are, these are really people that use in their classes. And for most people, it'd be like, this is so boring. This guy is like a giant textbook. But if you're listening to this and you want to become an expert on the topic of singing bowls and sounds and ancient instruments, Frank Perry, Himalayan sounds. And then we have another guy, Professor Mitch Nure, which uh, we have different opinions about our, our uh, specialties, but I, I do recognize him as someone that is doing hardcore research, hardcore studies, working with some of the finest antiquities in the world at the finest um, quality. And so those are two, two people. And also if you guys are really like, oh my God, I really want to dive deep into an entire life full of singing I do have a, a school, uh, that it's called Halo, and it's about awakening your angelic consciousness And if you're still listening to this, you're probably from an angelic realm or celestial portal that opened up and you're occupying a physical body now and want to know how to make sounds to anchor in the new cosmic consciousness and the new fifth dimension that this planet is moving to. So you can join our courses, um, which are not only in China, sometimes they're in America uh, after the whole entire Corona fun time is over. So Mm -hmm we hope to maybe see you in those courses.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I agree. If you are still listening to the end of this podcast, congratulations. <laughs> We're so happy that you're still here and it must resonate with you to want to be able to have access to sound and learn more about it. It, it has completely changed my life. And I can say that, um, it's healed me very deeply and to be able to be of support to those in transition and hospice, um, utilizing the power of sound and connecting to the different layers of consciousness in order to help the soul transcend is is just truly a miracle i'm really very fortunate And a lot of what I've learned has been from Daniel. So he is a fantastic teacher, very authentic and grounded and comes from a space of really deep seva towards towards the nada. You know, really deep seva of like what is what is really, truly important here. It's not about. the greed necessarily as as we've mentioned of like we're gonna make a course and sell it it's really about sharing this ancient knowledge that can transform you and those around you and heal the planet and heal yourself and humanity and lift us all up so if this is something that you're interested in look at the bottom of the podcast um information you can also message me i'm marnie and we if we are so lucky perhaps daniel and i will offer something together for this community and until then i appreciate all of your time daniel i'm very jealous that you're in bali right now i hope to join you there i'm there in spirit as you know i keep messaging you like because i really feel like i'm already there
1: (laughs) thanks marnie thank you everybody (laughs)
0: Thank you. And so until further, we hope you guys all have a beautiful day wherever you are in the world. Blessings to each of you and may you be safe and keeping your hearts wide open. Mahalo.